Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. The vice president of the MTSU Esports Club will compete in the Red Bull Solo Q National Tournament November 20th. Zach Sorabi, a physics and math major from Franklin, Tennessee, will play Summoner's Rift, which he played in August to become a regional qualifier for the national event. We'll enter the cyberspace world of gaming, how it works, and why so many find it intriguing after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Women professionals in the Mid-State region are slightly better represented within the managerial ranks compared to the state or nation, but issues such as access to child care and parental responsibilities pose challenges for increasing that gender diversity in the executive leadership ranks. That's among the key takeaways from a report by MTSU's Data Science Institute in partnership with the Women's Professional Advocacy Organization Advancing Women in Nashville, which commissioned the report to analyze gender representation in 31 managerial occupations for the Middle Tennessee region. The report analyzes job volume, compensation, growth, both past and present, and demographic data to better understand the local managerial workforce. It's the second installment in this research effort. The first was published in 2019. MTSU information and analytics professor and report author Dr. Amy Harris presented the latest report's findings at a recent conference as the organization seeks to establish benchmarks about gender representation in an overall workforce that's essentially equally proportioned male-female. And children at MTSU's Child Development Center have installed the building blocks of their future by stocking their brand new shelves with books. Representatives of honor societies Phi Kappa Phi and Omicron Delta Kappa recently presented the center with its very own Little Free Library, the second such small lending library established on campus. The organizations set up the first one outside the Ann Campbell Early Learning Center in September. The Child Development Center serves 33 children by employing a play-focused curriculum to promote learning. MTSU early education majors gain valuable experience through their work in the lab school environment. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Zach, thank you for joining us. I appreciate you taking time to talk with us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. First of all, could you please explain the tournament game and how it's played? It's played in League of Legends, and that's the name of the game. It's a 1v1 style tournament. The champ, the game itself has a, over 100 different styles of way that you can play the game. And so you will pick one of them, and then the opponent will pick one of them, and then you will play against each other until whoever gets the first kill, essentially, within the game. Now, is that difficult to prepare for when you have no idea which style of the game your opponent is going to choose and he doesn't know or she doesn't know which style you're going to choose? Yeah, so so definitely the game is usually played in a team-based setting. That's why that's where there's a lot of room for collegiate gameplay because it, it um, reflects some stuff like in, in traditional sports. But in, in this specific tournament, it's a traditional 1v1. So the game is played a lot differently. And so there's a lot of ways to come up with unique strategies. And so predicting them and trying to counter them with specific strategies is really important. They may opt for something that is less traditional in the usual game. The game itself has like a bunch of different characters. And that's what I'm referring to when it, com when it comes to the different styles. 
And so those characters have different um, abilities within the game. And so because the game is traditionally played in a 5v5 setting similar to sports, and that's why it's um, really prevalent in the collegiate scene, and the specific format of this tournament that I played, it's a 1v1 format. And so that allows for a lot of different strategies to be used in the game and kind of allow players to take a unique spin on how to play the game. And they can try new creative things. And preparing for that can definitely be really difficult because you can be kind of surprised by what some people come up with in the format. Do you have any way of scoping out your potential competitors and finding out their strengths and weaknesses in advance? I mean, do you know the people who are heavily into this game that well on the national level, even from a distance? So the people that play in these tournaments, when when they give you the format of it, you're going to know who you're playing against before you get into the match. So you do have a little bit of time to do some reconning through like official websites hosted by Riot. You're given some time to look at their profile and see what what characters they play and, and what they're more likely to pick. So you're not really exactly sure what they'll pick, but you can make some pretty good conclusions based off of what they've played in the past. Even though it's like a unique format, people still tend to play the characters that they've played in the traditional form. Do you have a particular avatar? Not necessarily. The, the game itself is like, there's not like a specific avatar or anything like that that one uses. Kind of kind of like how in the Mario games, there's a bunch of different characters you can play, if that makes sense. What what kind of prizes could you win? The tournament that I won, like the, the section that I won is, um, I won one of the regional qualifiers for the Delta region, which is like four or five states. And so for that, the prizes that we got were some equipment, so like I got like a monitor, some some apparel stuff, so like some clothes, some Red Bull, um, some Red Bull shirts. I don't have it on right now, but I got two Red Bull shirts. Um, we were I was given a keyboard, a mouse, a headset, a monitor, um, and then there's like after you win the regional qualifier, all the people that win the regional qualifiers get to compete in the national tournament. And so if you win the national tournament, you get more equipment. So like you get a computer and some other stuff. And then the people that win all the national qualifiers in different countries participate in an, an international event in Germany. So they fly you out to Germany to play in that tournament. So that's like the, the biggest prize, I guess, of them all is to fly to Germany and then play in the international tournament. And if you win in the international tournament, I'm honestly not sure what you get, but um, I know you do get like, some because of winning the national tournament you get some prizes like you get like a nice hotel and stuff in germany and that's a nice treat that they offer you for all the national winners yeah i take that oh, oh we'll mm-hmm. be right back we're going to take a break right now this is mtsu on the record women in science and engineering or wise helps college women prepare for and become involved in science related careers wise nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, WISE Advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. 
MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking with Zach Sarabi. He's a physics and math double major, and he is entered into the Red Bull Solo Q National Gaming Tournament November the 20th after having won the regional contest or become a regional qualifier. What kind of talents does it take to be a good gamer? Uh, is there more to it than just eye-hand coordination? What, what else does a good gamer need? So hand-eye coordination is definitely important. I mean, you're not going to be able to do it if you don't have any hand-eye coordination, but I mean, hand-eye coordination is definitely one of the lower things on the list. Really what's important is um, every every different game has like a different style of play. And so it's really important to understand like those rules and um, the, the confines of the game, because when you're working with like a game versus like a traditional sport, you, you have like digital confinements placed on you. And so there's there's really creative ways to um, play within within like the confines of the game. So every game has different different difficulties about it. Like some games are really technical and they require like I guess what most people would see is more traditional video game difficulties, like um, like arcade style games like Street Fighter um, that are played on like arcade sticks. Those style of games are a genre of fighting games, and they tend to be more um, about technical skill and, and your ability to predict what your opponent's going to do on an individual level. Now, certain games like what I play, um, it's much more about like the large scale at, at, at play. So because you're playing a team-based game with my players most of the time, you end up having to take into account a lot of information. So um, a lot of the things that happen in the game will happen without you being able to see them because of um, it happening like th the enemies are doing it. And so because of that, you have to infer a lot of information. You have to predict what they're going to do. So you have to start thinking not just about what you want to do, but what the other players on the other side are going to do. And that becomes a really core part of the game because at that point, you're not really just playing for yourself. You're not doing what's just on your screen, but you're trying to think of what nine what four other people are trying to do on your team and what they want to do with you as like teammates so similar to like predicting like passes in different sports and like how you can link together to create like the most optimal um way to confuse your opponent but also you have to be thinking about what your opponent could be thinking about doing like how they could route things like that and how they could combine together to win the the match so it's definitely more than just like like what you see on your screen and then moving your mouse and clicking it it definitely comes down to thinking about a lot of other people's decisions and that's really what is so difficult about games so uh, like a football coach you have to be thinking not only about the play before you but uh, that you're dealing with at the moment but rather you have to be thinking several plays ahead what do you do when you get to the 20 what do you do when you get to the 10 and so forth like that definitely so so in the game there's a lot of different markers that that are kind of like milestones within the game that the developers have put to speed up the game and to kind of pro provide like more incentives to accelerate um, interaction between the two teams. And so you definitely need to be thinking about like two, three minutes ahead, four minutes ahead about 
when the next objective, the next important objective is going to come up. And so that, that plays a major part in the game, predicting a few minutes ahead for multiple different situations. Is it easier to play somebody one-on-one -on -one than it is to play multiple players at the same time or not necessarily? Um, when you're playing on a team, it ends up being a lot different because you're, you're trying to think about what the other people are doing. And when you're playing one-on-ones, you just need to think about one person. So I wouldn't say that it's necessarily easier, but it's definitely less to think about. When, when it comes to the Red Bull tournament, it's a lot more about what you see on your screen versus a traditional game of being a lot more in, intensive about your thought process and thinking about what other people are doing. When you're not competing in a tournament, uh, how do you decide what kinds of games to play? Do you say, well, I'm going to play these certain types of games because they'll help me sharpen my skills, or I'm going to play these games just because I want to relax and have fun? Um, it, it definitely depends. So the, the producers of the game have a ranked format for team-based play. So it's, it's ranked, but you do it by yourself and you play with four strangers. And so that's a lot of the time how people tend to practice um, and sharpen their skills in a sense. But there's also definitely, because it's a video game, there's also ways to casually play the game, just like you would casually play sports or something with a bunch of friends. So it really depends on my mood, whether what I want to do in that day. Um, also, with the eSports Club, we host a lot of different events and stuff with different different games. So, I mean, we're strictly talking about League of Legends here. And so we'll, we'll, talk, we'll have um, events where we'll host get-togethers, in a sense, for different like a bunch of different League of Legends players to play together and so those are what we call in-houses with the club and so that'll be something casual that you can do for fun with a bunch of other people a bunch of students um, but also at the club we also host a lot of different games that we can play together and stuff like that so really depends on what we're wanting to do so sometimes you'll take that more competitive format to practice um, and even there's a there's a practice tool within the game kind of like I guess you could go to like a basketball court and just practice with yourself, like practice three pointers. So you can also do stuff similar to that within the game, just by yourself. When the esports club plays, do you play strictly intramurally with people on campus or do you play against other colleges? So we kind of, we have the club set up in a way so that we can facilitate both environments. So we have a lot of events that we host for the club to be intramural and more casual for people to enjoy, you know, just have fun with their friends or something. You just want to hang out with other students or just to give um, people a place to have fun on campus, really. But also we do have multiple different teams that compete in the tournament. So like League of Legends is one of the games that we play. Um, and that is something that we compete collegiately in. And so the way it works is that there's multiple different um, collegiate circuits that play, just like, just like how different sports have different collegiate circuits that run. Um, there tends to be more uniformity in, in traditional sports because they've been established for so long. So there's a lot of different circuits that you can participate in for collegiate esports. But we, we definitely do give that opportunity for our students to play together with a team comprised of MTSU students against other students of different colleges, so.
Time for another break. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. The Middle East-centered MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Zach Sorabi will be competing in the Red Bull Solo Q National Tournament November 20th. He is the vice president of the MTSU eSports Club, and he's a double major, physics and math. You've stated that gaming needs to be taken more seriously. Tell me why. So... Gaming is definitely something that has room to grow. It's very traditional to, it's very similar to traditional sports in a lot of ways with like the practice and stuff. Just at MTSU, we have, we have teams that play for us um, and, and they practice 12, 15 hours a week together with a team. And I mean, it's a, it's a really big thing and, and people take it really seriously. I mean, we do, we, we get coaches. Um, sometimes we even have paid coaches. We, we do individual review sessions. I mean, people take it really seriously. And then also, not just on the collegiate side, but there's also room for growth. I mean, the professional scene is very developed in a lot of games. So there's there's a lot of room for growth for people to do something with it. And not just um, like playing the game, but there's also definitely a lot of jobs within the realm. Like whenever, similar to in, in sports broadcasts where you have people casting over what's happening in the game, you have similar jobs openings for um, for esports too. You have analyst positions too. So not only is there a need to take it more seriously for the the players side, but not only does taking it seriously from that perspective is it good, but it allows for you to to open up more possibilities for those analyst positions and such. So there's um there's definitely a lot of room for growth in the, in the industry. Do you think it should be called a sport as opposed to a hobby or a pastime, or is that a semantic argument you don't really care about? Um, it's, it's definitely a touchy subject. I, I think that there's uh, justification for both sides. There is a, I think a, an ex-pro basketball player, Rick Fox, who, who used to own one of the organizations that competed in one of the professional circuits for League of Legends. And he personally believed that it was uh, similar to a traditional sport in the same sense that um, he hosted teams. And so he got to see practice on an individual level and he got to see what those players were doing. I mean, it would, it would be like eight plus hours a day, 12 hours a day of of practice. And um, he, he individually perceived it as to be intensive in the same way where those players were looking for any type of flaws and they were looking to improve it immediately. So I think it's definitely going to be seen as an esports for a while, but I hope that people come up to, 
um, open up to the idea of seeing it as a traditional sport and the sense that people take it just as seriously at the higher levels of play. Just like how in, in traditional sports, you have a segment, a separation between, you know, collegiate play and intramural play. We, we provide that at the school for traditional sports like soccer and, and basketball and other things. So I, I think that a similar thing could be adopted for esports where you can you can see it both played competitively at a professional level, but you can also see the viability of it as a more casual hobby. So I think both avenues are really viable. You know, there, there are parents who are deathly concerned about their kids spending a lot of time on, on games, on computers. Obviously, it's not your problem that you're uh, having difficulty with time management. You're not neglecting your schoolwork. But what advice would you give to parents and young gamers who want to hone their gaming skills while keeping, keeping up their studies? Keeping up with studies is very important. Um, I always end up prioritizing school over games. Game, games are something that I, I make a lot of time for, but I understand that like education is, the way I see it is a much more secured position. So if, if I get a degree, then I'm in a much more secure position leaving college once I'm 20 or 21. And I can have that oppor- those opportunities to fall back on. So it's, it's really just about having a backup plan because the, re- the reality of a lot of video game stuff is for a lot of people, it is just a hobby. And when I say a lot of people, I mean like 99.99% of people that play games really just play it casually. So you shouldn't go into it expecting to do anything professionally or to make a career out of it. Um, you want to, you always want to have backup options. And I think that's something that people can um, agree with, not just with video games, but in life, you always want to have a backup plan, backup plan of some form. So when it, when it comes to people struggling with kind of time management and people that want to do that, I really say just, if you really want to do it, you'll make the time for it because you can, you can make sure to get all your schoolwork out of the way at the beginning of the day or making sure you have most of the evening or, um, scheduled for that type of stuff if you really want to focus on it. So just making sure that you don't give up on your backup plan. That's a more secured thing because the reality of the esports industry is like we've been talking about on the, on the show. It's that it's a really, it's a developing industry is a lot of what it is. And it still doesn't have a lot of the avenues for growth and avenues for entry that a lot of other industries have. So making sure that you have that traditional pathway for a more secure position is really important. When you graduate, do you want to go straight into the workplace or are you thinking about going into graduate school and what do you want to do ultimately for a career? Do you want to create games? Um, So since I'm a physics math double major, Mm -hmm. so my plan is to go to grad school. Um, I, I would like to go to grad school at some point in the future. I would like to get my PhD is the goal. Um, I'm not sure when that will happen. Um, so for most, for most people, I would say that esports tends to just be something that you can't like look too into, look far too far into professionally, but it is something that I am taking more seriously within this, this past semester because I would like to see if I could make something happen, but I'm, I'm trying to balance that with my goals of getting a PhD. So, you know, I'm trying to do both simultaneously and I would hopefully um, along my, my current goal is to try and do something in the esports scene. And I'm trying to do that within my last like 
I'm only a sophomore, so I still have quite a while at MTSU. So I'd like to try and establish myself in that industry and try to do something in that career path for, you know, a few years, a decade or so. But but a lot of a lot of jobs in that industry are really um they, they haven't been around for long, so you don't know how long they can last. So I would like to do that and then have going to a PhD, getting a PhD as a backup option in a sense. So if if that plan with the esports scene tends to flop. If, if it ends up flopping, then I will pursue a traditional pathway of just getting my PhD. So, For people who are interested in the eSports club, how do they find out more about it? So um, for people interested in the eSports club, we have a lot of different events. We have things posted around the school to get together. We have Game and Greet, and that's going to have a lot of different games and a lot of different people are going to be able to come to that. And that'll be in the game room at the student union. So that, that's a definitely a, a really good way to get involved. We also have a MyMT and you can um, contact the president or any of the, the other members. You can contact me. Um, so we're always, we're always welcome for, for new people to come in. And like I said before, we have a lot of different uh, more casual events, not just like large scale events at the university. We host stuff within our own organization a lot of the time. So um, we have we have different posters up in different uh, buildings too, free to get involved with us. So please do so. Are you, are you on Facebook and Twitter? Yeah, we're on Facebook, Twitter. We have a Discord. We have uh, we have the MIMT, like I said, and we have some other social medias too. Well, good luck in November. I hope you uh, win or at least place very highly uh, enough to get some more equipment. It would be nice if they offered scholarship money. I mean, that would be yeah. really <laughs> Zach... money would be nice. Yeah. Zach Sorabi, thanks for joining us on MTSU on the record. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. The questions yeah. were nice. Thank you. We'll be right back. Expanding Your Horizons is an annual hands-on science and math conference for middle and high school girls. EYH enables girls to investigate careers in science and math and to talk with female leaders in those fields that are so essential to our nation's future. EYH also provides the girls with fun, hands-on activities and allows them to meet girls with similar interests. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, EYH Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Specialized training in forensic science prepares tomorrow's professionals through the Forensic Institute for Research and Education, or FIRE. The Forensic Anthropology Search and Recovery Team assists law enforcement with skeletal remains at crime scenes. Legendary forensic scientists provide lectures free to the public, and high school students work realistic crime scenes each summer at our CSI MTSU camp. I'm Dr. Hugh Berryman, Director of FIRE. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Randy Weiler has the middle moment. Growers, industry leaders, experts, and others interested in ginseng met recently to learn about the plant that grows in the wild in hilly, mountainous terrain. MTSU International Ginseng Institute lab technician Ethan Swigert discusses the workshop. We have been very pleased that we could actually get together this year. Last year's event had to be canceled from COVID, so we were excited to get everybody together. And we were also excited that we were at a full attendance at our workshop. It was sold out, which is really exciting for us. Seems to be a lot of interest in ginseng in Tennessee. And equally so, we had Dr. Bob the Bafis 
come in from Cornell to give a, a talk, which was quite informative. And we were able to distribute seed to growers that are from Tennessee so people can plant them out right now. And uh, it was really good attendance. We're, we're happy with the engagement. There were a lot of questions to the speakers and a lot of excitement. It was really, really wonderful. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's marketing and communications office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.